Well, I'm excited to continue a series that we've been doing called The Pursuit of Presence. If you've missed any of the installments of that series, you can always find them online. If you download our app at the Google Play or I don't think, I don't think it's called the Google Play, but Google Play or the App Store, uh, and you just type in Elevation Church STL, you would be able to find that app and download it, and you can find all of the messages that we've done in this series, and then also any of the other messages that we've done uh, over the last few years. They're available to you as a resource, and so please go ahead and take advantage of that. But, but just by way of starting us out this morning, I wanted to share what we call our series verse with you. This is our series verse that kind of helps set the tone for the entire series, and I'll just read it to you out of Psalm 84, verse 7. Very powerful verse. Listen to this. They go from strength to strength. Tap your neighbor and say strength to strength. Good. Some of you are like, please don't touch me. They go from strength to strength. And the Amplified goes on to just kind of expound upon what that means. Increasing in victorious power. So they go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. Each of them appears before God in Zion. Now, if you're wondering what that's about, in other words, this is a psalm that was about a male Jewish person going to the temple of God. In other words, he was going up this hill towards Jerusalem, and this psalm is describing that journey And as he describes the journey, he says that with every step, every step, he gets stronger and stronger. Now, I don't know if that's your experience in life. I don't know if you would say, you know what, that's my my journey. I'm getting stronger and stronger in every step that I take. It could be that your story is stronger to weaker, right? It could be that maybe it was weaker to stronger. I don't know. It could be week to week. But the Bible says very clearly that God wants you to experience what what the Scripture says is strength to strength experience of God. And my heart for you as your pastor is that you would experience that as well. That that's something that you would have an experience of. And so imagine with me just a moment that you were experiencing an always and ever ever-increasing victorious power kind of life. Always ever-increasing victorious kind of life. I know that you want that in your life. Now, the question becomes is not do you want it. The question becomes is what are you willing to do to get it? Come on. Because sometimes we just want things to drop into our lap, don't we? We just want to show up and be like, "Mm, got it. You know? We want, to go to, we want to go to school and just let the school just get in us and we don't have to actually do the work. You know, we, we, we want things to just show up. We want our experience of life to be like Amazon Prime. But friends, it doesn't happen that way. And so we've been talking about how is it that God is all, uh, all present, God is ever present, How is it that if that's true, his presence is everywhere, that we somehow can live a life that is depleted when he says we can have a life that is never depleted? And so this whole series is about living that life, of being able to experience the life that God wants us to experience, and that is this strength-to-strength life. 
And so in the first week of this series, we talked about getting headed in the right direction. If you're going in the wrong direction, you're never going to end up in the destination that you want to end up in. And so if your goal is God and you're going the wrong way, you should stop and turn around and go to the right place. And so we talked about how important it is that we're headed in the right direction. On on week two, Pastor Gretchen talked about how important obedience is, which we're going to be talking about through this whole series. Obedience is to experience the presence and power of God. Because here's the deal. If we don't do it God's way, how do we expect to get what God has? How do we expect to have all that God wants us to have if we're not willing to do it his way? That's called obedience is that we walk towards the things that God has laid out and planned for us. And then last week, I talked a little bit about omnipresence, that God is everywhere. I talked about inner presence, that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, which is the indwelling, the indwelling or the inner presence of God in you, which is mind-blowing if you think about it. But somehow the creator of all things lives in you. Powerful to think about. But then we took it a step further and we talked about this funny word called Shekinah. And last week's message was Shekinah what? Because most people have no idea what that means. All it is is a kind of an extra biblical word where the Jewish writers put together these two Hebrew words to help us understand the manifest presence of God and that it's different than the inner presence. It's different than the omnipresence. It is an actual uh, experience that is concise and clear and even observable. Can you imagine? Can you imagine observing God? Now, when I say that, some of you are like, that sounds cool. Some of you are like, no, no, I don't know if I need that. I don't know if I want that. And so here's the thing I want to ask you. How is your manifest presence of God right now? You may be saved. You may have given your life to Jesus a long time ago. You may be on your way to heaven. Glory to God. But you're not experiencing the strength to strength life. And here's the thing I want to say to you. God gives you that as well. He not only gives you salvation. He not only gives you the spirit of God living in you, but he gives you the opportunity to experience his manifest presence of God as well. So here are a few questions I want to ask you today. See if any of these relate to you. Maybe these these are some things that you think about or maybe you feel. Here are just a few. Are you happy most of the time? Are you happy most of the time? Isn't that a good question? Some of us would have to say, oh, no, absolutely not. If you don't know, ask your spouse. Yeah. Here's another one. How often do you feel lighthearted? Lighthearted. Are you excited about your future? How about this one? Do you feel deeply loved? Do you feel deeply loved? And then finally, last question. When was the last time you felt carefree? You know, that feeling? Maybe it's, I I think of being in a convertible driving in the desert and the wind flowing through my hair. (laughs) Just carefree, you know? Yeah, Route 66, baby. 
Some of you younger people are like, what's Route 66? You know, there's this quote, well, it's actually from, from the story of The Hobbit. And one of the main characters in The Hobbit is Bilbo Baggins. And I don't know if you've ever read The Hobbit, but, but he says this. And it's, so, it's, so, it's such an amazing word picture. But listen to what Bilbo says. He says, I feel all thin, sort of stretched, like butter that's been scraped over too much bread. Isn't that a good image? Perhaps you feel that way. You feel stretched or thin or maybe that you're just like butter that's been spread over too much bread. You don't feel full. You don't feel carefree. You don't feel lighthearted. You, you're not so sure about your future. You're definitely not feeling so happy. And here's the thing I want you to see. God wants you to experience life differently. Now, it doesn't mean that you won't have trouble. The Bible is very clear that we will have trouble but that we have a choice in the middle of the trouble to experience life where God is helping or is carrying the burdens of life where you aren't. And here's, my, here's the thing you got to understand is that when we don't have consistent presence of God in our life, we will as human beings, because this is what we do, we pick things up and we try to do it ourselves. And the moment we do is the moment we lose all of these things in our life because you can't do it without his presence and without his power. That is what the Bible says. And so I don't want you to feel like butter spread over too much bread. But in order for that to happen, we have to double down on something. We have to recognize that there are gifts from God that come to us freely, i.e. salvation. It's a gift. We can receive it. We don't have to do anything for it. But in order to really understand and really experience the manifest presence of God in our life, we have to do some things. And so here's the phrase that I shared with you. From, it was a quote from, from an author named Mark Batterson, and he's a great Christian writer, but he, he wrote this. He said, the only ceiling on our intimacy with God and impact on the world is daily spiritual disciplines. Matter of fact, I've been a preacher long enough to know that, that sometimes people tell us, don't use the word discipline. You know, say something like holy habit. That makes it more you know, palatable to people, you know, holy habits, right? Or, or how about this one, spiritual practices. You're like, oh, I like that, boy. I'll put that in my pocket. But if I say spiritual disciplines, people are like, yeah, that sounds like working out to me. And I don't want to have anything to do with that. But here's the thing. If, take whatever word you want, whatever, whatever way you can take your medicine, you know, whatever way you have to do it. But ultimately, if we do not apply the disciplines, the habits to, or the practices to what God has told us to do, to the things that he's told us to do in order to experience his presence in our life, we will not experience his presence the way that he wants us to. Now, it doesn't mean that I won't go to a mountain and see the sun and be like, oh God, you're so great. That's, that's awesome. Experience God in that way. But it doesn't mean you're going to go deeper into the manifestation of his presence if you don't get this right. And so here's the idea. We will not experience, we will not experience the manifest presence of God if we will not pursue him with absolute commitment in spiritual disciplines. Now, if you're here and you're like, you know what, pastor, I'm not going to do that. Well, at least you're honest. I mean, at least you're being honest, you know. I'd much rather you be honest. But what I would prefer you do is say, you know what, pastor, I'm going to at least do one. 
I'm going to at least try something new. I'm going to do this one and lead myself towards the presence of God because I want more of him. And you know what I believe about you? There's a good chance that you're here for a reason and you're here for the reason because you want to connect with God. You really do. It's just a question of have you made it a priority? Have you decided that this will be a priority? When you get up in the morning, that's the priority. When you get to your midday, that's your priority. When you get to the evening, that's your priority. And it's something that you do consistently over and over and over and over again. Are you starting to see what I'm saying? Listen to this in Jeremiah 29. You probably know this verse. Jeremiah 29, 11. Everybody loves it. They put it on little pictures and stick it on their wall because it's just so good. But here it is. For I know the plans I have for you, right? Says the Lord. That's, this is such a good verse. He says, they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Perhaps you've memorized that verse. But here's the thing about that verse is that it has a verse 12. We want to experience this by osmosis. We want it just to show up through Amazon Prime. But here's the thing. Verse 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. And then watch this, you biblical scholars out there. There's an if-then relationship showing up. It says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, then you will find me. You see the point? You see what Jeremiah is saying? He's saying, take it. It's yours. You can have it right now, today. But you have to seek it. You have to seek it wholeheartedly. Not halfway. Not half, insert whatever word you want. All the way. Wholeheartedly. That's what the Bible says. And so we have to look. We have to seek. If we want the inner presence of God in our life, we have to give our life to Jesus. We have to surrender our life to him so that the Holy Spirit can live in us through faith. But if we want the manifest presence of God, we have to do spiritual disciplines that lead us to his presence so that we can have that renewed in us every day of our life, strength to strength, always increasing in victorious power. And then Matthew 6, One of the first verses of scripture I ever memorized. Listen to this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Above all else. Above all else. Let me say it again. Above all else. Seek the kingdom of God. And he says, and live righteously. And you're able to do that because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And he will give you everything that you need. Everything you need. If you will seek him first. If you will go after him hard with everything that you've got. He'll give you everything you need. Not some, not, not a little bit, everything. Seek him above all else. He'll give you everything. That's good news, my friends. Now, you may have came today because last week I told you I was going to get real practical. I was going to get real practical because I know that some of you want to experience the manifest presence of God. And so this message is a two-parter. It's a two-parter. This week, we're going to talk about five, and next week, we're going to talk about five. But this week, we're going to deal with five Ways to experience the manifest presence of God. It's really 10 ways, but we're only going to deal with five today because I knew some of you would struggle. I think you'd just fall out of your chair. It's just too much. 
So I'm going to give you five today. But, but it's ten ways for us to experience the presence of God, the manifest presence of God. We have to seek him. We have to get serious about it. We have to begin to practice these particular things. Now, I don't know if you know this story, but in Acts chapter 7, there's a guy named Stephen. Stephen was a man of God. And matter of fact, historically, he is the first martyr for his faith in Jesus. And if you want to read that story, you can go to Acts chapter 7. But I wanted to read a verse from that. Matter of fact, a few verses, starting in verse 56. It's towards the end of Stephen's great speech before all of the religious leaders. And he says this. He's he's having this vision. In other words, a manifestation of God's presence. The difference between a dream and a vision is when you're dreaming, you're asleep. A vision is when you're awake. And so he's having this vision. Imagine having a vision like this. And so he's having this vision, and this is what he sees. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Man, you're seeing something if that's what you're seeing. And he's saying that to the crowd of people. And then watch what happens in verse 57. And they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Two points I want to make from that story that I want you to see before we get to number one. The first is, and it's so important we see this in our lives. Do we believe, do we actually believe that God's manifest presence is possible in our lives? Like, do we really believe it? You've heard me say this about prayer. If we really believed in prayer, we'd pray more. If we really believed in prayer, we'd pray more consistently. Like, if we believed that prayer changed things, we would pray more consistently, yes? And so my point is, is that, 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 that if we have to ask the question, do I really believe that experiencing God's manifest presence is possible, or is that just something that happened in the Bible and I'm not worthy of it? If we ask that question and we're honest, where do we end up? See, Matthew 19, verse 26 says this. I love this. Jesus looked at them intently. You know when Jesus is looking at you intently, something's going on. You know, it's like the stink eye. He's like, that's Jesus looking at you intently. See, Jesus looked at him intently and he said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But then he says this, something you've probably heard, but with God, everything is possible. And if you can believe that, if you can step into that, say, you know what? I believe that, God, everything's possible with you. If you can believe that, then that means that experiencing the manifest presence of God is possible too. Next thing I want you to see from this passage, this story of Stephen. Don't allow your beliefs to steal the possibility of God's manifest presence. What does that mean? See, some of us have beliefs that are contrary to what the Bible says. We just don't know it. We've bought into ideas. We've bought into philosophies. We've bought into ways of seeing the world. We're empirical kind of people. We see the world through a scientific methodology, and there's a part of us that doesn't really believe in faith that it can happen. We have to be honest. Have we been taught? as we were growing up, that, you know, that's the kind of stuff that happened back then, but it no longer happens today. I would say that is a misapplication of the scripture. 
It's a human being trying to sort out the fact that they don't experience it in their life today. It doesn't mean that God doesn't do it. And so what is it for you? Do you believe? Are you allowing beliefs to come in your way? I know people that don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their life because they think the Holy Spirit is weird. You're weird. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is not weird. What human beings sometimes do with the Holy Spirit is weird, but that doesn't make the Holy Spirit weird. And I'll just tell you this, whatever gift that God wants to give you, and this is true in my life, God, whatever gift you want to give me, I want to receive it. I don't care. I don't care if it makes me uncomfortable. I don't care if it weirds me out. I just know that if it's a gift from God, it's good. And if it's good, I want it. And I want every bit of it. And so we have to look at those two points because Stephen believed God's manifest presence was powerful. But these religious leaders, you see what they did? Like I could stand up on the stage and be like, you can have God's manifest presence. And they went like this. That's what they did. They put their hands on their ears. And sometimes when we walk into a room, we, we come in in faith, but then doubt starts to creep in and we put our hands over our ears and we walk out the door and we start to kill the very possibility of God. Whoo, come on, guys. Augustine said this. I love this. He said, we must empty ourselves of all that fills us so that we may be filled with what we are empty of. See what I'm saying, man? We fill our lives with so many things, but we don't fill it with the right things. And so here's the first thing. You're like, oh, just the first? Yep, here's the first. As we talk about 10 things, 10 things to help you experience the manifest presence of God. Number one is you got to come clean with God. You got to come clean with God. Not just once, but consistently. You have to come clean with God consistently. Matter of fact, you've probably heard this phrase. It's a phrase that we use sometimes in the church. It's the word confession. We have to confess to God where we are. We have to confess where we fall short. We have to confess where, where, where maybe we're not measuring up. And I want to show you a passage of Scripture in Psalm 32. It's such a powerful psalm, but this is David writing. And he's writing about how sin or things in his life that had separated him from God, however you want to word that, had started to weigh on him. Get this. Get this, guys. Psalm 32, 3 through 5. When I refuse to confess my sin, David says, my body wasted away. Do you see this? No. I really want you to see what's happening. And I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, look at what he did. He said, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Do you notice that David was exhausted? Physically, he was exhausted. Not just spiritually. Physically. So in other words, his spiritual problem was affecting his physical body. 
His inability to be right with God was affecting his ability to function as a human being bodily. See, before confessing his sin, David was exhausted. He was exhausted because all of his life was being drained out of him because of his sin. He wasn't willing to confess it. And so what was happening is that his spiritual life was being sapped. His strength was being stolen. See, that's where weakness sometimes can come into our life. When I see a sin forming in my life, I must say, I've got to serve the Lord. When I see sin forming in my life, I've got to say, no way. I'm not going down that path. I dare not grow in this kind of thing because I know it will drain the very life out of me. Guys, this is so important. That's why I have to cultivate a daily discipline of confession. I confess to the Lord all the time. Do you? I hope you do. Because if you don't, it means you are probably too high on yourself. It probably means that you don't have anybody around you telling you the truth. Because see, we all mess up. The Bible says that we're all in need of God's grace. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us so that we might be free. Come on. And so when we confess to the Lord, all it does is put us in a proper position before a holy God and say, Lord, I am weak without you. I can't do it without you. And so I need your power and your presence in my life to overcome this situation. And if you've tried to do it on your own, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so we got to make sure we're putting it right before God every day, every moment, every second that we need to. That is one of the ways that you experience the manifest presence of God because it's good when the Lord comes around you and says, son, daughter, I know you've messed up, but I love you. I still love you. And I know that the world's telling you that you got to start over at go, but that's not what I'm telling you. You don't have to go back and collect $200. You can start right here from this place because of my grace. And when you experience that in your life, boy, what happens is the manifestation of God's presence starts to stir in you bodily, in your spirit. So number two, number two that will help you experience the manifestation of God is praise your way into God's manifest presence. Praise your way. Do you remember that song earlier in the set? I think it was the third song. It was talking about how I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing. Isn't it hard to be miserable when you're singing? Have you ever tried it? Like, just try it. I mean, if you're really angry, you know, try to sing and see what happens. What will happen is you'll be kind of unwilling to do it. You'll start with, sing, God loves me, God loves you. You'll start there. But as you continue singing, you'll be like, God loves you. Yeah, I know, God, you're with me. Yeah, you're in this situation, God. I'm, I'm reminded again of your faithfulness as I sing this song about great is the faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. And, and, and all of a sudden, something starts to happen in you. You start to come up. Your spirit starts to come up. Why? Because you're connecting with the presence and power of God. That's why. It's not because of some scientific thing going on in your brain. Your spirit is connecting with the living God. And as you praise him, you will experience the manifestation of his power. See, Psalm 34, 3 through 4 says this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. 
He doesn't say, I'm going to magnify the Lord. He's talking to everybody. He says, come on, everybody. Let's praise the Lord together. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I have sought the Lord and he has heard me and he's delivered me from all my fears. When you're afraid, sing. When you're afraid, worship the Lord. Begin to shout out to God and tell him who he is. Read a psalm out loud. Do something. And what you'll find is the presence of God will be unlocked in that moment. And then watch this in Psalm 119, 164. You're like, Pastor, how many times am I supposed to do it? Listen, seven times a day I praise you. Seven times a day I praise you. You know what? If you just praise God seven times a day, guaranteed it's going to change your situation. The manifest presence of God will show up in your life in ways that you've never experienced. Matter of fact, put it on your phone, alarm, seven alarms throughout the day. Seven alarms throughout the day that will allow you to begin to just praise the Lord and shout his name so that you can experience his presence. Because see, I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about these things called praise breaks, 30-second praise breaks. I, I, I don't know if you've ever done one of those. And so we're going to practice it right now. Can, can you guys who have done a 30-second praise break help me with a 30-second praise break? All right, here we go. Ready? 30-second praise break. Go. Yeah, that's good. Come on. Come on. Woo! Yeah, Lord, you're good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo! Yes, sir. Now, now. If you do that in your office cubicle, I'll give you 10 bucks. I'll give you 10 bucks. I'm only going up to 100, so it's only 10 of you, so hurry up. But you see how that changes something? Imagine if you did, rather than having a coffee break or a nap break, <laughs> rather than having a tea break, if you're English, What, 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 what? What if you had a praise break and you focused on the attributes of God, his power, his love, his guidance, his faithfulness? What if you just did that for a few minutes? God, you're so faithful. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And people are just going to be like, that guy's weird. It's okay. It's okay. I would rather be weird to the world than not related to my father. And focus on his goodness. God, you've been so faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Number three, number three, is black out distractions by focusing on God. Black out distractions by focusing on God. See what Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. You've probably heard me say this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. See, he's the author and the perfecter of your faith. And so Hebrews tells us to keep fixed on him, right? Keep fixed. And then listen to this, Psalm 42, 7. I love this phrase. I won't read the whole verse, but listen. It says, deep calls unto deep. Remember strength to strength? It's a, it's a constant strengthening. But, but the psalmist is talking about a deep calling to deep. In other words, it's a deep going deep. It's a deep, deep. You see what I'm getting at? It's always deep. It's deep, deep. And the way that you get that deep, deep is that you remove the distractions from your life that are competing with God's presence. You begin to black those things out. Here are some distractions that you probably have. News! I got everybody with that one probably. 
marketing, notifications. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going I'm to help you today, okay? If you receive it, it, I'm telling you, it'll help you. On that Apple phone of yours, and maybe on the, the other ones that people have, where your mailbox is, there's a little red dot that shows up when you have uh, a new email. You, you ever seen these things? Little red dot. You know what I found? That when I open my phone and I see the red dot, you know what I want to do? I want to press it. I want to press it. I want to press the little red dot, don't you? You just want to press it. And, and here's what Apple knows, and this is why you should be offended, is they're treating you like a rodent. You get this, and it's like, oh, thank you for my treat. And you go back, and you go back, and you come back, and you go. I'm telling you, I did this uh, probably several months ago. I turned off that little red dot. Did you know you could do that? I did. And here's the thing I've discovered. I don't want to press that button. And so I only press it when I want to. I'm back in charge. I'm no longer being manipulated by the market. I'm no longer being manipulated by the algorithm that was written to keep me there. I'm free in Jesus' name. (laughs) But see, we have to be that intentional because the world is competing for your attention. We have to turn off the alerts. Turn off that email alert that shows up on your computer when you're trying to focus. Those status updates, get rid of them. No one cares. And then posting. Stop it. Maybe only post once a day when you're in a really good spiritual place. You know? Because, see, if we're not committed to removing some of these difficulties, we will begin to experience a life that God doesn't want us to have. And I'm going to read something to you that I thought was so powerful. I've been reading a book by John Eldridge called Get Your Life Back. And it's a really great book. I'd recommend it to you highly. But he says this. He says, now that we are getting a handle on just how damaging technology is, particularly hours of screen time, there is a, and he says, there is a robust discussion on on what responsible use of technology looks like. I think that's a reasonable commentary. And then he says this, succumbing to pressure, Apple made their screen time uh, report built into their iPhone. So if you don't know that, if you have an Apple phone, you can actually look at your screen time. Now, don't do it here. You might fall out of your chair. He goes on, he says, for heaven's sakes, now that we know social media and its use is correlated to increase depression and anxiety, do we really need further evidence to convince us to limit our use of it? (laughs) Think about this. Now, I'm not against technology. I'm just simply saying that when the science shows up and says, hey, this is affecting you, should we not be convinced, adults, And as parents, should we not be convinced to limit our kids' screen time? I think that's an important discussion, don't you? When we think about the notification world, when we think about all the things competing for our time, see, in that same vein, he goes on to say this about our attention. 
He says you can't give God your attention when your attention is constantly being targeted and taken captive with your cooperation. You see what's happening? And I know some of us are like, I don't like this. I know. But if we don't look at it, if we don't see it, if we don't really begin to examine it, we will not experience the strength-to-strength life that God wants to give us. And here's a funny question that I want all of us to ponder. Listen to this question. You you put this in your brain and, 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 and roll over this a few times. Why is it that when you turn your phone off, you're the weird one? See what I'm getting at? Like, have you ever turned your phone off and people are like, why are you doing that? I can't get a hold of you. Maybe I didn't want you to get a hold of me. Maybe I needed a few moments with Jesus. Maybe at 8 o'clock it's okay not to talk to anybody after that. Why is it that I have to be plugged in to the matrix every day of my life at every moment so that I can answer your questions? Can you imagine if we stopped doing that? I think narcissism would go way down. I think depression would go way down. I think anxiety would go way down. I just think we have to think about these things because if we don't black out distractions, we're not going to be focused on God consistently. And so we have to be absolutely committed. And then, okay, finally, uh, I have two more and then I'm done. Number four, stay still in his presence. Stay still. Is it hard for you to stay still? I know it is for me. I'm always moving. Are you one of those kinds of people? Just always moving. The idea of sitting still is really hard for me. If I sit still too long, I just start to shake. My knees are like... And it's probably because I drink way too much coffee. And it's crazy. But, but, but being still is easy for some of you, and being still is hard for some of you. Either way, it's an important, important discipline that we all have. You know why I say that? Well, listen to this in Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I'm God. See, sometimes you just got to sit there and you got to remember that God is God. You got to remember that He's bigger than your situation. You got to remember that He's over this world. You got to remember that He has the whole world in His hands. He's got the whole world. In his hands. Somebody, thank you. Thank you for coming with me. The rest of you, wake up. See, see, we have to be still and know. I'll encourage you to find a comfy chair. Just find a comfy chair. And you sit in that chair. Turn on a little ambient noise. I always turn on a little ambient noise or maybe some instrumental music. And the reason is, is because I can get distracted really easy. And so I just need something that tunes out things. You know, screaming kids, somebody upstairs running around. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, maybe you live in the city and it's horns and sirens. I mean, I don't know what it is for you, but, but, but you get distracted. If you'll turn on some ambient noise and you'll just begin to allow that to sit on you, you're going to be in so much. I even bought these. I've told you about these, these noise-canceling headphones. Those things are brilliant. I put them on. I can't hear anything. Kids are out there killing each other. I'm like, I don't know. I'm with Jesus. It's fine. God, will you be with my family as I spend time with you? Spend some time as you sit in that comfy chair. Read the Psalms. And rather than talk, just listen. As you read it, just listen. I think sometimes we spend way too much time talking to God and not enough time listening. Stay put. Don't leave that chair until you hear something from the Lord. And then when you do, you write it down in your journal. 
I was reading something today in my devotional, and Nicky Gumbel wrote this. He said, how strange would it be that if I go to the doctor and I say to the doctor, doctor, I'm having problems. My ankle hurts, and my eye is twitching, and I seem to have this breathing problem, and, and my elbow's all off, and, and I just wanted you to know, see you later, and walk out the door. See, that's what we do sometimes in prayer. As we tell God all about the things that we have, all the challenges we're facing, and we don't spend enough time just sitting there waiting for him to answer. Number five, and then we're finished. And some of you are going to love this, is take a walk or go on a vacation so that you can bring your body back in line with his presence. I think sometimes, guys, if I'm really honest, we don't take care of our bodies very well. And we think that if we don't take care of our bodies, we're going to be okay. And what happens is our body gets off. Our body chemically gets off. And then the next thing you know, we're not handling situations like we need to be handling. Now, our spirit may be strong, but our body is off. And there's something not in line. And that's why sometimes we've got to begin to do some things to care for the body. That's why I think taking a walk can be good. Some of you sit at your desk all day long and you never leave the house. You never get outside. You are in a plastic bubble all day long. You never breathe fresh air. You never see a tree. You never see a mountain, if we had them in Jesus' name. You never see any of these things. And you wonder why sometimes you don't have any beauty funneling into your life that leads your body to be stronger. Does that make sense? And so we have to make sure we're caring for the body. We have to make sure that when we need to take a break, we take a break. That we develop that kind of consistent time in our lives so that we can bring these things back in line. Because here's the thing. Living on adrenaline and continuous stress over time will create a misalignment, a misalignment in your body. If you're living on adrenaline and constant stress, it will create a misalignment in your body and you at some point will crash. You'll begin to experience depression. You'll begin to experience anxiety. You'll begin to experience fear. You'll begin to experience all kinds of things. And God's like, hey, 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 listen up. I talked about this too. I didn't just tell you to read your Bible. I didn't just tell you to do that. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 19 through 20. He says this, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, right? Inner presence, the Holy Spirit is in me, whom you have from God. You are not your own. Some of you need to hear that today. You are not your own. That means your life, your body is surrendered to God and you need to make sure it's in line with what he's doing. Verse 20, and he says this, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are from God. Did you notice it was both? It wasn't one or the other? Both spiritually strong and physically strong. Your body is the temple of the Lord. And if you're not taking care of it, it'll eventually come at you. And the enemy will use it against you to tear down your spiritual temple. Come on. And so some of us maybe have hit that wall already. I've hit that wall multiple times in my life. And I tell you this, when I hit that wall, it's a wake-up call. Matter of fact, I'll say, it, I'll say it different. It is the very grace of God in your life. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now saying you better slow down because if you don't, not only will your body be affected, 
but you might do something stupid that will wreck your life. And my friends, as your pastor, I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen to anybody in this room. And I know you don't want that to happen to me. And so my point is, is we've got to make sure that we're bringing these things back into alignment. And you'll hear me say this over and over again through this series. If you'll create that space in your life to take a walk, to be still, to confess, God says he will fill that space. He says it. And so his presence, his manifest presence will come to you today. And that's my heart for us as we work through 10 ways for us to experience the manifest presence of God. And if you're interested, we'll do five more next week. And I pray that they're practical and helpful to you. I want to just simply end with this phrase. And it's from, directly from Jesus. He says, today is the day of salvation. Today. I don't know if that's your story. I don't know if you've been saved. I don't know if you would say that the inner presence of God lives inside of you, but the Bible says that it can be true in your life as well. I want to pray for us, and so let's bow our heads in prayer. God, we recognize that you tell us that today is the day. Not tomorrow, but today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of our surrender to a deeper experience of your presence. So often in our lives, Lord, we're waiting for a new day. We're waiting for the next days. We're waiting, we're waiting, and we're waiting. And yet, Lord, you tell us that you didn't promise us another day. And so we need to do today what we need to do. And so, Father, I want to pray for those today that desire to go deeper the desire to have greater experiences of your presence in their life. I pray in Jesus' name, Father, that those things would come to pass. Whatever commitment you need to make to the Lord today, maybe it's one of the five that you're going to do so that you can begin to experience more of God's presence. Just commit to him right now. Just say it to him. God, I'm going to do this. I pray in Jesus' name by faith that this would be sealed and that it would come to pass in their lives. For those of us in the room or maybe online that would, if we were honest, would say that salvation has not come to your life. Salvation has not visited your house. The Bible says that because of what Jesus has done, that can happen. If you're willing to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that, that he died on a cross for your sins, that he was resurrected three days later, and that he will come again, the Bible says if you'll do that in faith, that he'll come in and save you. If you'd like that to be your story today, I'd love to be able to pray for you. And so, church, we're all going to pray together, and nobody's praying alone. And I, all I ask is, if, you, if this is you, that you would mean what I'm about to say, that you would just repeat this prayer, that you would mean it, that it would be from your heart and in faith. And so let's say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I need your Son. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you set me free? I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord. Change me from the inside out. I choose this day to worship you and serve you.
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? So good. We love it.